it's time for discussions. Welcome to discussions. I remember learning this quote when I was at university that like the purpose of a business is to take a complex task and then break it down into simpler tasks that people will do at low wages. So someone might not be able to do the whole complex process, but you get a number of people to do the individual parts. And that's how you be a successful business owner. And I think it was from some historical text, but I couldn't find the exact book it came from. I thought it was from this book called The Wealth of Nations, which was published in 1776. But I couldn't find that exact quote. But that's often how I'll think about doing a business. And I'll think, you know, as the business owner, you have this complex offering end to end that creates value for your customers. But it's your job to make it as simple as possible so that the people you employ can do those things. I guess it sounds bad when you say you want to employ people at the lowest wage possible, but that is the goal of the boss. They want to pay as little as possible, and then the worker would wants to get as much as possible. So on my efforts of looking for this quote, I ended up reading and watching some summaries of that famous book, The Wealth of Nations. And when I looked at it, not from the global trade perspective, like the book was written on, because it was for a, a nation's wealth, I looked at it from an entrepreneurial perspective. And there were some interesting uh, things that I could draw from it that I want to share and compare with you today. At the start of the book, he talks about incentives. And it reminded me of the other night when I was at a networking event, and a man told me that he just bought a bar. And I said, oh, do you have any experience in, I guess, the hospitality industry owning bars? And he said, no, not at all. This is my first time. And I was shocked. In my head, my quick thinking was, oh, you can't do that. You can't just jump into a new field. And then they politely pointed out to me that, you know, that should be the goal of the business, not to be running the bar yourself, but to buy it and then employ someone to run it for you. So his manager of the bar has a lot of experience and it opened up my eyes to thinking, Hey, as long as you incentivize someone correctly and, you know, tie the performance of the business with, I guess, their salary or, or something of that nature, you don't actually have to have any involvement with the business that you're running. I'm sure it's very common that you would be involved, but if you have proper incentives, then you don't actually need to be involved. And ideally, that's how a business should function. I remember when I was speaking, sorry, when I attended Tony Robbins' event, he said, who in the audience is a business owner? And so many people raised their hands. And he said, if you were to leave the business, would it still function the same? And a lot of hands went down. And he said, that's right, because you guys are business operators, not business owners. And it's only when you have an automated system that you can really feel as a business owner. I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but that was what he meant. And for people running businesses out there, that's something to keep in mind, not just for the sake of you know freeing up your time, but if you ever want to sell a business, you your role gets kind of excluded from the price of that business. What I mean by that is if you're heavily required in a business and you go to someone goes to value that business, they'll put an imaginary worker in that spot and give them a salary that is commensurate for that level of activity. You're no longer gonna be part of that business. So the business gets valued as if you're not there and that is gonna affect the price. So I remember in the book about the sale of um, catch.com, the online marketplace or catch.com.au, they said that before they entered the selling process, 
the owners tried to separate themselves from the business as much as possible and get the business functioning on its own um, so that it, it could sell for that good price. So what I mean by that is even if you're getting the ball rolling at the start of a business, your aim should be to back away from it and get it automated, incentivize the team well enough that it functions and grows on its own. That will not just free up your time and that sort of thing, but it's going to make the business uh, more saleable. And even after a business gets sold, there's often uh, performance-based tie-ins to the deal where the person selling, how much money they get depends on how well the business continues to perform. And you may stick around for a period of time. So that's a really common thing to 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 incentivize a seller to, to keep the business doing really well. So the more automated you have a business, um, the, the more likely you will get those payouts, etc. Another point in this book was that money is just an exchange of value. Back in the old days, you couldn't build spears and then trade spears for food if someone already has enough spears. So in caveman times, trading had frictions and trading was difficult. And money just allows the transfer of value to be easier. You trade spears for money, you trade money for food, for example. And that simple analogy got me thinking, if money is just an exchange of value and I want more money, all I need to do is give more value to the world. And that comes down to being better at my job so that I can do more value in my role or finding a different role where I can give more value to the world or start a new business that allows me to give more value out. And I think that's a good mindset if you, if you do want to achieve a higher income. Instead of just thinking, I need to talk my boss into giving me more, you can think to yourself, out of all my options, how could I be giving more value to the world? Is that a side business? Is that um, do, doing other things or taking on other opportunities? And in the book, he talks about when you buy something, you're actually buying three things. You're buying the labor it took to make that item, the rent for the land that was used to make that item, and the profit, which compensate someone for the capital that was required and the machines that were required to get that product created. So you're doing those three things when you pay for something. You're paying for the labor, rent, and profit. And I wanted to point that out because it became clear as day to me that those aren't even needed anymore. When you go to start a business, you can get a free Google website. You can get, um, you don't have to pay rent. For the business you can just work from your room or work from your garage plenty of companies do that or if you know that doesn't work i'm sure there's a you have a friend or something that would might let you use their garage you can get creative work from a cafe even if you need to have, have a spot away from your bedroom but we no longer have that cost of rent we no longer have that cost of capital that that profit requirement because we don't need to pay ourselves a profit at the start we just need to get things going we can draw that profit later on and we don't need to pay for labor if, it, if we're happy to do all the work if we're using our free time building the business instead of just socializing and having fun we're getting the three costs of a product for free and that kind of rules out anyone from thinking that they don't have the resources to start a business because you know the three main things that that would cost someone something when creating a product we can do that for free pretty much and finally, something that was quite interesting in this book was when he spoke about globalization. And when he spoke about different nations uh, doing different tasks better and then trading between them. So you do what you're best at and then trade between nations and that's what gives everyone the most amount of value. Instead of 
certain people doing you know things slowly when someone else could do them really fast. And it got me thinking, we need to think about our careers. We need to think about the role we're in right now and ignore any frictions that it would take to change job, all those annoying interviews we'd have to do to change a job and ignore all the study we've already done, all those sunk costs of, of what got us here and think, if I'm trying to maximize my earnings, am I doing what I am best at? Am I creating the most value for my time? Or could I be using the skills I've developed through my study or elsewhere to do another job? So am I doing what I'm best at? Because if there's something else that you're better at, you could be probably making money, more money doing that. Even if your current career would have you thinking otherwise, being that you studied this and you've got experience doing this, just like we'd ask a nation, wait a second, maybe that production of that item can be done better somewhere else and then traded for. Maybe you or me and our careers, we are doing something slowly compared to something we could do really fast, really efficiently and get more money for in the market. So that's a little thought experiment to get us questioning whether there is a higher value use for us in the job market. And the final takeaway I got from this book was that he describes four options of where you can spend your money. And he kind of describes them in ascending order. The lowest one being paying someone for a service, because after that happens, uh, such as paying for entertainment, you're, it's done, it's gone. The next level up was paying for products, buying a car, for example, that will depreciate. You're buying a product and it will depreciate, but it's not going to lose all of its value. You can still sell it for a portion of that value later on. So it's a little bit better than spending your money on immediate services. And then he goes up from that and says the third option, the better option is to buy non-depreciating assets like artwork, for example. And the fourth option is investments things that will make you money. This could be buying capital. This could be starting a business. And the way he described these four different options made it clear to me. You know, some of us think we live our life and then at the end we might have a little bit money of money to invest. Or investing is the afterthought that we just look at when we look at the final amount of money we're left over at the end of the month or end of the week. But really Every single day we have that decision. Do we want to spend our money on those low value goods based on his description of things that will just disappear like going to the cinema that's going to disappear right away on assets that will depreciate such as uh, clothes, iPhones, etc. Assets that won't depreciate but aren't going to make us any money or do we want to spend it in that fourth category, investments. So thought experiment here is that why don't we put that thinking on right from the beginning? And before we spend any of our money, we think I could spend this $1 on an investment rather than a quick service. So I'll make that decision now. I might do the service or I might not, but let's be real about that decision. That is the decision. And so understanding these four different ways to spend money could maybe help us allocate a little bit more to that investment and bring us greater happiness later on. So thank you for joining us and please subscribe so we can bring you more content.